Here's a sneak peek of what we have today. Meet dentists, meet, uh, you know, those investor dentists, single practice dentists, and see what's available. To me, there's a difference between mentorship and having someone there with you to not necessarily handhold, but like bail you out at seconds notice. There's a lot to know about in dentistry. We should be having discussions about business, entrepreneurship, and innovation. So let's start right here, right now. This is the business of drilling. So welcome back to the business of drilling. Really excited to have you here today. We have Dr. Todd Kaiway. Dr. Todd Kaiway was born and raised in Calgary and Vancouver. He graduated from Western uh, in the 2021 DDS class. At Western, he served as class president for three years, played on the Mighty Dense hockey team, and was a member of the AO Dental Fraternity. After graduation, Dr. Kaiway moved to the Comox Valley in Vancouver Island, where he practices in a single dentist practice. In his free time, he likes to golf and play hockey, and he's left a little bit of a legacy back at school because he did found the golf club. Dr. Todd Kaiway, how you doing? Good to see you. How's it been? Yeah, doing really well. Thanks, Vlad. Thanks for having me on. No problem. I'm really excited to get into this conversation. I remember meeting you and when I got in first year, you were one of those upper years that seemed like they knew everything about dentistry and I seemed like <laughs> I know nothing about dentistry. So it's really exciting to kind of see you progress through your career and uh, get into the conversation today. Um, you are a fairly recent graduate. Yeah, 2021. You battled through COVID and you basically picked up your dental practice in a situation that a lot of people would want to start in. So how has that been? How has it been practicing compared to dental school? So actually with the, with COVID going on while we were in school, uh, our class was actually really fortunate. Whatever was going kind of quote unquote wrong at school, we always seemed to come out on top. So for example, the ITD class, they, uh, they got extended to three years. Uh, on the clinical side of for us, it meant that one of our clinical years, we had like uh, 20 less people in it. So you mean we we got extra experience that way. And then same thing when the uh, forehanded, uh, the forehanded dentistry came, model came in, um, we were on the benefiting side because we got the upper years or the fourth years were our clinic partners but then when we got into fourth year we got to we got to partner with our own class so we benefited there again and then the same thing with the start of covid with uh, the restrictions um in ontario meaning that all ops had to be closed ops we somehow locked out there and we got a lot of good time in the first semester so like we got really far ahead in first semester of our grad grad year and then you know it, it wasn't perfect all the way through but you know we we can't kind of came out on top every single time there was some kind of hurdle to face so yeah. uh, I know other grad years won't are definitely not going to have that same experience but we definitely kind of locked out in that regard and yeah that seems like it seems like a tough time to kind of get through but i'm glad you you got through it in, in uh in a timely fashion and you're out there practicing so you've been practicing for uh, how how long now? About a year, year and a couple months, or just over uh, a year? Yeah, exactly. A year and a couple months. So the way that happened was, um, I graduated. Uh, graduated in June, approximately. I kind of hopped in um, the U-Haul uh, in May, actually, because you know we're, we're done in clinic before we actually graduate. Mm -hmm. uh, actually took two days, was north of Thunder Bay, broke down, stuck there for three days, uh, 
on U-Haul's dime, thankfully, but, and then, uh, got back going and, and, uh, made it into Comox, uh, British Columbia on Vancouver Island in another three nights it took me. So I kind of just motored on my own time. It was a lot of fun actually, cause I just kind of stopped and went, uh, whenever I wanted, um, got into town, uh, and got the, the June graduation date. And then it was all about certifying. So when you're at Western and you stay in Ontario, your certification pretty much goes through automatically as well. You have to do the, uh, whatever paperwork, but on your grad day, you can pretty much start practicing right away. Um, going to a different province, I actually had to, uh, I had to certify once I had my, um, my actual degree. Uh, the BC College Dentist uh, of Dental Surgeons, um, they actually require you to send a copy of your degree in. Uh, so that was a big, um, not a big hurdle, but you know that was a couple days. Yeah. Uh, the biggest hurdle was actually uh, getting the police check done because all the uh, the uh, College of Dental Surgeons of BC located in Vancouver, so they send all their um, all their police checks through the the Vancouver detachment of the RCMP, RCMP. So that's kind of like the biggest detachment. So it takes the longest to do the police checks. Uh, so that was almost a month of waiting for that. So I think the the first kind of nugget I would suggest is if you're going out of province, uh, you won't be able to, or most likely you won't be able to uh, get your certification early or like lined up to be early, but see if you can get the the governing body of wherever you're going to, to start processing your police check, you know, at least a month in advance, mm-hmm. assuming you want to start you know, on your grad day or the day after your grad day. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, mean, I, I wouldn't I, even think about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I cool. took that month and I was pretty much golfing every single day. So, you know, I was gonna it say, wasn't yeah. a bad, yeah, and settling into my house too. So, you know, it wasn't a bad time off either. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I Talking to even people in my class, I'm not sure who's super ambitious to start working like right away. Like even myself, like I feel like, yeah, I want to get out there and work, but I definitely want to take, you know, first first few weeks off or a couple months off before kind of settle down for the long run. But I feel like you have a lot to tell us about what it was like actually getting the job in, in the first year and of working and how that transition was from, you know, dental school to being uh full functional associate but can we backtrack a little bit like what's your story so like how how did you get into dentistry why did you choose dentistry and how did you get to where you are today so that all kind of links together so um in my i'm a second career student Uh, i taught high school for five years and then i went back to school um and in my first undergrad i played rugby at u of t and i actually um one game i went into a tackle hard and one of my teammates actually hit me in the face uh and the like in the max in the maxilla with his forehead and i broke uh 2-1 at the gum line and uh i had uh root canal on 1-1 and 2-2 um and then i eventually went through like i went through orthodontics to get the the 2-1 that root to ex- uh, actually extruded uh to promote gum growth and bone growth got an implant there um and then uh, a couple years down the line 
the uh, I actually got the implant, the uh, the one one taken out and an implant placed there as well. Mm. Uh, so the funny thing is that my teammate who hit me in the mouth, um, his dad is actually a rural Ontario, or or I believe he's retired now, but he was a rural Ontario dentist. So he actually did my second implant and uh, re restored my first implant uh for free so that was, there you that go. was cool. <laughs> it only involved like you know six hour drives whenever i needed <laughs> <appointment>. so <laughs> that was a thing but you know, it was nice to visit them so you know i had this kind of background in having procedures done to me so i had some interest in dentistry uh i actually had a close friend of mine who was at shuluk um who it kind of knew I was a bit interested in dentistry and he was kind of encouraging me to go back to school and like get into dentistry because he really believes that it's a great profession. And, you know, yeah. I, I, I now really believe it's a great profession too. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I kind of, things were uh, kind of, in a down point for teaching in Ontario, they had a certain bill that made it so that every single job was uh, hired on based on seniority. So it didn't matter if you were the best teacher ever, if you were in like your first, second, third, fourth year, if someone had more priority or sorry, more seniority, they would kind of get the interviews before you. And the principals really had to like have a good reason to not give them the job. So you were down the list. So I actually went back to school without losing seniority. Um, so it was kind of risk-free career-wise. It was obviously not risk-free financially, but you know, I I had the option to always go back. And actually, while I was redoing uh, courses um, at the end of the university year, I was going back and I was working. So that was that was kind of cool. Um, Wow. Yeah. So the, uh, the dentist that, um, encouraged me to go back to school, um, we'd always kind of had this plan that I was going to go back and, and work for him and eventually, uh, hopefully, uh, kind of partner or buy into the practice, whatever way that kind of would look. Um, yeah. So I always kind of had this thing lined up. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the main thing there then, obviously that's not um, the typical thing, but it's not uncommon either that people go back to school and they already have kind of a line on a job that even four yeah, years yeah, yeah. prior, right? Yeah, that's You nice. hear about a couple of people doing that in every class, right? Yeah. So um, let's, un let's unpack that first. So you work in Comex Valley, BC, and you had that lined up before you even got into dental school. Yeah, it was actually before I even went back to school to do my prereqs again. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, the big thing there, though, is the networking side of things, right? So um, I was, I talked to people who are in dentistry and wanting to go into dentistry about, you know, talk to your dentist, like see what their kind of line on things are, talk to dentists in the area get out there and shadow, uh, you know, a couple days here and there with different practices, just see kind of what, what's out there and what kind of styles people have and just meet people, meet dentists, meet, uh, you know, those investor dentists, single practice dentists and see what's available. Like I know we, uh, our group, uh, we are always looking for staff assistants, hygienists, front desk staff, dentists, 
um just because you know there's always something's always happening and there's always uh kind of room you know we're always trying to expand we're always in the need for more dentists so you know i've talked to several of your classmates too about coming out to bc and kind of working with me working with our group yeah that's pretty awesome so you've had it planned out for quite a while which is funny because i I thought that i was someone that plans things out but you're (laughs) definitely above that that's cool well congratulations i mean you know that journey summarized is so nice and concise but you know obviously it took a long tedious process to get through to get to where you are so congratulations so how has that first year been then is it what you expected um any sort of things you would change about you know the 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 structure you approached your first job with i mean there's always ups and downs um and there's always changes i mean it's life right you can't control everything 100 percent um so for example, I the plan had been that I was going to kind of be in the main practice and just kind of uh, working with the uh, the owner, um, and that was kind of just where I was going to be. Uh, it had actually been a plan for one of my classmates who came out with me uh, to work in the clinic that I'm working at, uh, and then early on, uh, just the way the business was going. Um, we kind of swapped things up a little bit. So I ended up being in the, uh, in a practice just kind of on my own. Um, the way our group kind of structures things is you go and you work in the main clinic for, uh, however long needs to be. So, you know, some people spend a month there, some people spend a week there. Uh, some people are a bit longer there. Um, and then you kind of go and you get your own practice. (laughs) So I'm in a practice that it's a main floor in a mall. Uh, it's called, can I say the name of my practice? Of course. Yeah. 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 So, uh, I'm in a practice, it's called Uptown Dental Center. It's, um, largely, uh, senior based. So, okay. So how there's a couple of things that, you know, I, <laughs> I, I, I want to ask about that process then if, if you don't mind. So you mentioned that, you know, you, so how long were you under any sort of mentorship then? Because I think that's a, that's a big topic for a lot of new graduates or even just recent, like recent grad associates that are switching to roles. They're like, oh, I want to find a place that I can learn for them and then move on to something that I can do on my own. But I feel like being a single practice dentist would deter a lot of people from committing to something like that. So how was that process for you where that transition from dental school to actually being a competent dentist? So to me, there's a difference between mentorship and having someone there with you to not necessarily handhold, but like bail you out at seconds notice. So the mentorship's still there, right? Uh, the other practice across the parking lot, we're always talking on uh, on teams actually is what we use. So we have like instant communication. And then um, the other thing is I've talked to a lot of, I I'm in constant communication with a bunch of the specialists in the area as well. So, you know, it's not just one person that I kind of lean on. It's, it's a group of people that I lean on. The other thing is I'm part of a spear study club, which is, right. uh, it's based out in Nanaimo, which is about an hour away. So, um, it's different that, you know, I'm not directly referring to those people, uh, the OMFS. I mean, some some patients do go down there, but um, they're more, you know, colleagues that we discuss things about, we look at cases at. Uh, so the, the mentorship aspect is there, right? Um, but at the same time, 
because I, you know, I had uh, about a month kind of full time at that clinic. And then um, I had a couple days a week for maybe a month. And then I kind of transitioned full time to the clinic that I'm at. Um, and uh, like it was enough. Like, are the yeah. as much as people while they're in school like to pound on the uh, or like to gripe about the education that we get? um at shulak i honestly believe that it's a great education and i've been able to lean on everything that i've learned from shulak uh and really you know when there was something that i wasn't 100 sure on talk to people talk to uh the uh dr basir chris basir who uh is the uh is my kind of long-term friend and and mentor um and you know figure out what needs to be done um so, you know, it might seem daunting that, you know, I was only with another dentist for another, for a month or so, but it really, it's been fine. <laughs> like I yeah. have other structures to lean on. You have a great base, great fundamental education. You keep learning through CE and um, yeah, it, it really has not been an issue. <laughs> Right on. Hey, that's, that's fantastic to hear. Cause a lot, like, I, again, like it, I think you're unique in saying that because a lot of people, I feel like are overwhelmed by the amount of sort of demand they need to meet in private practice, especially if they go somewhere rural, like Comox Valley, that's, it's fairly rural BC or what would you say? What would you classify your practice? Um, so I believe the, the population of the Valley is about 80,000 if I'm Oh, okay. So, you know, it's not, it's not that small. We actually have great access to specialists. Like there is an OMFS in Comox. There are, there's a group of, um, there's a couple of OMFS an hour away in Nanaimo. Um, and then we have actually like two, uh, two periodontist offices. So one is a, a solo periodontist and then the other one has, I think three or four periodontists. Then there's like three or four endodontists in the area. Mm -hmm. um, so there's kind of like everything that we need here, uh, which is really nice for a small community. Like it's, that's not, I wouldn't say that's normal. Uh, their wait lists do still get up pretty high though. Like we're to like half a year out kind of thing. So wow. um, in that regard, you know, um, I do, uh, quite a few extractions that, you know, I would like to send out, but, you know, because of the waiting lists, because they can't always get to the emergencies. Um, and because, you know, I've, I've talked to those offices that if there's an issue, then we can, you know, get, get the patients in if the patients need it. Yeah. Uh, but if things go nicely, then, you know, that's one more patient that we treated same day or the day or the day after that didn't have to go through that discomfort for a couple of days in a row or a week or two yeah. or, or a month. So if you were to, you know, just for topic of conversation sake, like if you were to highlight, you know, a key aspect of the learning curve that you had to go through, well, what was the biggest thing that stands out for you as a time management, as a procedure skill? What are we looking at? Um, so I, I think the thing that kind of quote unquote stressed me out the most early on was, um, the time aspect of things so there was a lot of patients who had big fillings like big rebuilds of teeth that you know uh an mod 
is not the same tooth to tooth to tooth. So, you know, I was doing MODs or MODBs that were like almost complete tooth rebuilds uh, for several months until the kind of I'd seen the patient population, like got everything kind of under control. Um, So now I'm still I'm still seeing some big cases where, you know, that big tooth rebuild for people who um, come in in kind of emergency situations, as well as some people who um, just haven't kind of come in to do their initial treatment. But things are kind of getting easier because I've already done the the big cases mm-hmm. in in the practice. Like I only have the I only have like new patients coming in with new cases, but kind of the patient population that was there uh kind of got them stabilized. So now, you know, when we do an MOD now, it's like two slot props, like an MO and a DO kind of thing, yeah, yeah. instead of like rebuilding the entire occlusal as well as mesial and distal like to the bone level <laughs> like, yeah yeah, uh, yeah you know it's it's like it's true just like you know interproximal carries now it's not like down to the bone under the gums etc okay okay so, so you're I saying think, you're, you're saying the population initially that you came into had a lot of sort of complicated work to do but once you got through that it stabilized in a way where you feel more comfortable doing the work day to day where it's not super stressful. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So whereas I might've had, you know, patient after patient after patient who were like big cases, big stressful cases. Like now I might, like I might have one or two in a day that is like a bit, is a a bit more complex. Yeah. yeah. Most is like, uh, most of the cases now are, you know, fairly straightforward and even like, and, you know, it's also, I'm now over a year in, not that that's a lot, but, uh, now I'll like do a big rebuild and it's not as big a deal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You you get kind of the hand skill built up. That's cool. I'm not going to lie. That's something I I just absolutely would not have thought of. So (laughs) that's an interesting perspective. Thanks for sharing that. Is there anything else that you'd say you need to kind of focus on as a new graduate or a recent graduate associate dentist getting into a practice where you're super busy for me. And I'm sure for a lot of other people, the time management perspective seems a little bit daunting because you come out of dental school, you know, seeing, you know, two patients, maybe, you know, if you were efficient, like three or four patients, cause you stack your impressions or whatever, right. For the afternoon. Um, but how do you go from that, you know, to seeing a caseload of like 20 patients a day? Was that reasonable or did you find that you struggled with that a bit um so we i like i lean on my staff whatever they can do they're doing so for example assistants are seating patients like doing kind of uh updating medical histories like doing all the chart entry all that's being done while I'm finishing up with the patient then I come in and, and review that but you know it's all the questions have already been asked I'll ask like detailed questions if I feel like I need some more information, but, uh, otherwise it's, it's all been done. So it's very, very streamlined. And then the other thing is like, I'm not dismissing patients. Like I say, I give them a quick post-op, um, and then the assistants are taking them up to the, to the front to get checked out. I see. Uh, see. Yeah. So uh, a lot of those time consuming things. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to deal with, I see. Okay. Yeah. And then like, same thing for like, um, I'm sure most of the practice management software does this, but we're using power practice and, you know, for, for notes, we have templates that we, 
you know, you you have the base template and you edit that. Um, so actually, we have our assistants kind of do that patient to patient all day. And then I go back at the end of the day and review things, uh, make sure that, you know, diagnoses are proper, make sure that all the kind of um, specific pointed detail I've given to patients is, is correct. Um, so, you know, that's a big time savings on my side yeah, as yeah. well. Um, so that, you know, it's, it's all about efficiency there, you know, good care, yeah. but also efficient care. Yeah, yeah. Which makes sense. And you have so many more resources to use in private practice. So that's cool. Okay. So you're saying everything's going to be okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> is what, yeah. I'm trying to, <laughs> what I'm getting at. That's cool. Um, So you had a job lined up right from the get-go. It seems like you were a great fit for it. And the, the job was a great fit for you. And now you're happy and you're successful. So if we were to look at it from a perspective of someone that got into dental school and they don't have any family in dentistry and they don't have many friends in dentistry or if anything, they made them during dental school and they're looking for a job, right? So everyone keeps being doom and gloom about the dental market here in Ontario, but is it safe to assume that you're kind of guaranteed a job as a new graduate dentist? So my opinion of it is yes, but so you know it's the it depends it depends it depends where you're willing to go and or what you're willing to accept so you know i'm in a really good position personally because you know we i have like a good uh a good percentage cut and i'm in you know i'm the only dentist i have two hygienists so you know the the kind of ratio for a, a new still relatively new grad is is good like there's enough work coming in that things are busy and uh i'm not like i'm not doing hygiene checks and having all my all the diagnoses like disappear to a primary dentist um so i guess this is a bit of an aside but i i definitely believe that when you're looking for an associateship you should be looking at the number of of hygienists per dentist like a little ratio there and my suggestion would be that you know your primary is is faster and, and better than you quite frankly yeah. uh they probably need three or four hygiene hygiene columns to fill their schedule uh new grad you probably need one and a half to two hygiene col columns to fill your schedule so if you're going into a practice and you know it's there's three dentists including the primary well you do the math there say the yeah. primary needs three and then each you needs two that's a lot of hygiene ops so if if it doesn't have that then you're probably going to be sitting around and waiting right yeah yeah um <laughs> like listening to and obviously you don't get the full story, but uh, listening to what people that I graduated with are doing back in Ontario versus like the amount of treatment that I'm going through in a day, it's, it's kind of, it's mind boggling to me that like, you know, they'll, they'll have a day's worth of treatment that I'll have done by the time 10 o'clock hits kind of thing. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so that's a little bit staggering. Yeah yeah um yeah so then as far as being guaranteed a job i'd say yeah if you're willing to go uh anywhere then yeah you can find a job for sure mm -hmm. um if you absolutely have to stay in london ontario um then maybe maybe you'll get a job but maybe you're not going to be very busy or maybe you're not going to find a job there <laughs> um it really will be an, an uphill battle for you 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I'm sure if you want it bad enough, I'm sure you can, you can make it work and find something, but it's a matter of, uh, kind of how many people you've kind of gotten to know and, uh, really that networking that I, yeah. uh, touched on earlier. For sure. Yeah. I mean, hey, man, the country's rural sectors are underserved. Real estate's cheaper out there and there's much more work for you to do. It, like, it seems very logical to do what you've done, right? And go, I'm, I'm not even going to say rural, like Comox Valley doesn't even seem that rural. I know yeah, there's there's towns and communities that are much more, <laughs> much yeah. more rural than that. Um, but you just got to be flexible is what I'm, was what I'm getting at from your explanation. Yeah. And I mean, especially if you have graduated undergrad and you've gone right into dental school like you're graduating when you're 25 26 like how if you if you work till you're 65 you know that's 40 more years so what's two years what's three years what's even like four or five years working somewhere that isn't where maybe you want to end up but you know you might go there and you might fall in love with it too you might yeah. think you know like i wasn't going to stay here but this is a great situation here right on so you're pretty happy with where you're at and it seems like the dentistry is keeping you happy as well so definitely you're a living breathing example of <laughs> or a good case study we'll say of what you need to do with your career todd you've probably gone through like uh, a lot of lessons in the, in the, you know, in the past year and a bit that you've been working at. Right. Um, and more so you've probably talked to a lot of people that have told you about their lessons. Right. So originally I had this question structured in the way that I thought that you were looking for different associateships, but given the fact that you just had an associateship, can you draw on some of the experience and conversations you've had with other classmates maybe, and, and answer this in a way that you think would be appropriate knowing what you know now, is there something you wish you would have considered or maybe paid more attention to if say you were looking for a new associateship or any sort of advice you would give a new graduate looking for a new associateship, maybe red flags or something like that? Um, so I don't think this is going to answer your question exactly, but uh, I'll try and circle around to that. Um, when I was in school, I actually got job offers uh, from from and through the the row instructors so you know mm -hmm. if you do a really good job in school and they they see that you care about the patients you know good things are going to happen for you if they see that you're just like trying to get in and out of there as fast as you can like do the quickest job you possibly can um those opportunities aren't going to open up for you but you know if you're the most of those uh row instructors are still practicing right yeah. like they are good people to to show to ask questions to network with because you know even if they don't need an associate maybe they have a friend who needs an associate so really like do your best in clinic obviously but do your best in clinic and like ask questions to the row instructors and um you know work on really work on that network yeah and then you know there's lots of um opportunities um through kind of recruitment i don't know what they call them but you know headhunters essentially um that uh dental offices who need uh grads or need associates go through um so you know you've probably if you're on linkedin and you have dental student in your uh in your profile i'm sure you've been contacted by two or three of these people already um so yeah they're they're i mean they're a good resource um a girl from the a couple people actually from the class um the 2022 class uh contacted me because they were being recruited for uh up and down the island 
Um, and they contact me about like kind of life on the island, what's going on, what, what I know about those practices, what I know about those owners. Um, and you know, they both, uh, they both ended up coming out to BC and getting jobs. One of them is in Campbell river, about an hour, well, about 45 minutes North of uh, where I am and another mm-hmm. one's in Chilliwack. So, you know, there's those dental recruiters, they, they can definitely line you up with a job, obviously like one, two, three dental and dental corp are always going to be looking for people. Um, so, I mean, they, there's always going to be kind of like a job for you. Yeah. I believe, um, it's more about like what the situation is. So, mm-hmm. um, and specifically about that situation then Todd, so say, you know, hypothetically you were given a contract in front of you right now and you're, you're looking through it and you're like, okay, all things considered, you know, say like, it's a great deal. Like on paper, it seems like a great deal. And then you get to the practice, right. And then what are, what are just absolute red flags you would, you would tell people to look out for in a practice then? So I think um, one of the red flags that I would look at, which I already did say, but is the amount of hygiene to the number of dentists in the practice. If there's not that kind of ratio, and like I said before, for a new grad, I think one and a half to two columns of hygiene for you, um, that would be kind of appropriate. But if that doesn't exist, then you know that you're not going to be busy enough to to kind of fill your days so that would be the 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 main red flag the other one would probably be um how fast the the associates are turning over so yeah okay um yes because obviously you know if if someone's not happy then they're going to be leaving the position so um but on the other hand it it may just not have been a good fit for them i would i just definitely say if you know someone who has worked in the office you know talk to them about what's been going on in the office and you know why you're getting hired Um, yeah a lot of the investor dentists you know they need um a new grad every two years so that would be kind of that's not necessarily a red flag that's just normal yeah right on right on that 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 all makes sense and it's, it seems to be a common sort of pattern that i'm seeing talking to a bunch of people um even through this podcast and just outside it networking it, you know making sure that your schedule is going to be busy is i mean it's easier said than done like going to a practice and you know shadowing and looking at how busy the principal dentist is is one thing but then you know maybe asking for the schedule of an associate, uh, asking for the hygiene schedule, asking for the patient demographics and information, right? Things like that. I'm sure it can all be useful for you to make a decision on where you want to go. But ultimately, it, it, it just seems like it's coming down to the fact that there's just good practices for you to work at and there's just bad practices for you to work on. The only way you'll really figure that out is you just kind of get your hands dirty and start finding information out. Cool. Um, on the topic of jobs then, right? I mean, everyone looks for jobs out of dental school then there's a few people that kind of start considering practice ownership and partnerships and maybe growing their equity in a, in a corporation or something like that so do you have aspirations for owning your own practice or do you say enjoy associate more or maybe a blended model in the future what, what's your ambition with that so my my ambition is to kind of be partnered uh in a group that owns several practices or multiple practices. That's what I want. Um, I really think that the efficiencies that you have in 
not a huge network of practices, but like a decent size network of practices, like uh, kind of five to 10 uh, or more, like slightly more than that. Um, I think those are, are really uh, valuable. So being able to move a hygienist practice practice, if you have someone out or an assistant or front desk staff, like that's really useful. Um, I think patients really want um they really want that kind of old school model where you have your dentist and it's like your dentist uh, i don't think that's really going to be a reality um in the coming years like it's not necessarily a reality now where we have these big corporations with kind of uh biannually turnover biannual turnover of dentists mm-hmm. um so in so in my situation for example like you know i want to be a, a part owner of a group of practices but i'm also like i'm doing well for myself so you have to kind of balance for yourself like is isn't is this kind of uh, productivity and is what you're making is that enough for you or do you need more and you know obviously it doesn't come free like you put your your body and your soul and your your uh, your mental health goes into all the uh, the ownership aspects, having to deal with human resource side of things. So dealing with hiring and firing, like you know this group where you have someone in a role, like in an HR role, that you know they're thinking things more on the business side. It's in the best interest of the business or or whatever. Like uh, it has to be done uh, by someone. And, you know, for me, it's, it's advantageous to have someone in that role that, you know, I can be a, a bit hands-off on, obviously there has to be input in there. So what's your sort of timeline then, then what would you think would be a, a good timeline for someone that wants to get into practice ownership or, you know, multi-practice partnerships and whatnot? Um, what's like a reasonable duration of time after graduation that you could be following that i i hear people that you know just graduate and they open their own practice from the get-go I've heard other people say you know at least like two years two or three years of associating what's your opinion on that my opinion is it depends man like it has <laughs> to be person to person i you can't cookie cutter that in for everyone yeah. i mean uh like jake carrier he i don't know how many practices he owns now but you know he graduated and pretty much started owning practices like the first year that's right for him uh other people like i like i was saying like you know i'm making a comfortable salary or um comfortable living so you know i could theoretically associate for the rest of my career and be comfortable um and not have that extra added stress so but you know the the number one thing is taking care of my patients in the practice so as long as i'm doing that and you know as i touched on earlier like procedures are getting easier for me as i'm getting more experience so you know i can i don't have to go home and be thinking about like Oh yeah, that was a difficult case this today. And then think about the business side of things. Like now it's starting to be that, you know, the cases are uh not uh not as challenging for me. So, you know, mm-hmm. I have some of that kind of um I guess like mental capacity to, to deal with some other things. <laughs> I mean, man, that's that's totally a fair point though. I mean, that's actually a really, really good point because again, that's something that I wouldn't have 
thought about. So what you're saying is, you know, after a certain amount of time and depending on the individual, this could be either a short amount of time or a longer period of time, but you get comfortable with things clinically. So that doesn't weigh on the back of your mind. And I'm sure everyone can kind of relate to that because I, I mean, I've had a couple of bad days in, in clinic just in the past couple months alone. Right. And I get home I'm like, oh, I'm beat. Right. And I can't imagine having to deal with you know, Like you said, like maybe HR stuff or, you know, maybe you're, you're dealing with a staffing issue at that, you know, period in time. And now you're starting to balance clinical work and, HR work and practice management work, which I can definitely see as being overwhelming. So that I think that's very, very well put. Um, so to segue things a little bit then, and I know we're getting closer to an hour, but I wanted to touch on this because you're in BC, a pretty desirable place to be, I'd say. I mean, everyone that I, I've talked to at some point has said, oh yeah, like I'd love to end up in BC. Not a lot of people do, but you made the commitment to go to. So, I mean, this could be like a two-part question here but so why did you choose bc um and two like how do you think different what are the major differences between the canadian provinces um as a whole in terms of dental education and maybe practice is it, is it similar across the board or do you notice some differences just from anecdotes from your classmates so as far as being in bc i mean it was easier for me because i grew up here and i had like i had the network here so you know it was an easy move for me to come out here i'm also pretty easy going as far as where i am at any given time so you know i could live pretty much anywhere and be happy <laughs> um but it is it is beautiful here like vancouver island is amazing if you like the outdoors at all or even if you just kind of like the sights you know like i step outside the door of my practice and i look out and there's a glacier there that i can see over water like I see mountains over water and that's like that wow. that's normal here right um the couple of people who've come visiting uh kind of looking for uh jobs in BC like they're always blown away by uh what we have kind of nature wise here and I think that it kind of is the big draw when you're talking about Ontarians going to BC typically mm -hmm. I mean the only I mean the the kind of I've driven across the country a couple times and one of my favorite areas is actually northern BC or sorry northern Ontario as far as uh how beautiful the scenery is but like BC is obviously amazing too and not quite as uh not quite as uh uh rural yeah uh, as far as how it compares um I think uh it seems to be that uh assistants can do more in BC um than mm. in Ontario um and that you know that defers uh province to province like we don't have uh whatever they call them like restorative tax here um but they do i believe in saskatchewan you might you might know not that more yeah, than yeah. That. i haven't really looked into saskatchewan because i was never planning on going there <laughs> um, <laughs> the other thing that uh i think you can look at is uh differences in fee guides um i seem to recall when I looked at things um, like for five surface filling or like for fillings, the different surfaces, I think there was kind of like a, a crossing over point at like three uh, surfaces and then like Ontario or BC. I don't even really remember because it's kind of a, it, I don't really think about it too much. I don't really think about like how much each surface bills. Yeah, that's yeah. not, that's not a, 
a factor to me but just like as a general uh, metric yeah 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 but yeah you can take a look at uh what each province is billing generally speaking so assistance billings but how about the patient population like would you say like i can't imagine it being like rural is rural like i like i can't imagine it being that different you know if you have a population base that's struggling with access to care right i mean how different it is, is it from group to group, whether it's in Saskatchewan, BC, you know, out on the East Coast in New Brunswick or Newfoundland, or even in parts of Ontario where you have extremely isolated communities that need the care but don't get it. So getting there, you know, the types of patient patient populations you see in, in BC, I think what a lot of people get thrown off by is when they think rural, they think, you know, poor and um, not being able to afford dental work. But I personally was a little bit shocked by, you know, some of the rural practices I've shadowed doing crazy dentistry, like crazy dentistry compared to some of the more urban practices I've seen around the GTA and even in Vancouver. So is your patient population really that different going province to province? Or would you say it's fairly similar? And on, on that note too, you know, do you feel like you can provide a general scope of dentistry with your patient population being in a somewhat rural-ish setting away from major metropolitan areas? So um, I think you're going to get a cross-section of people no matter where you are. Like uh, within our group, each of our practices has a different kind of SES uh, kind of population base. Oh, yeah. Like, like I said earlier, like my clinic is more... Uh, uh, it's like kind of an elderly clinic and that's normal. Like I'm a main floor. Um, one of the other practices is stair access. So, you know, anyone who can't do the stairs anymore, they come over to my practice, um, over on the, there's uh, another practice that sees a uh, way more, um, I forget what you guys call them in Ontario, but like Ontario works kind of patients. Okay. Uh, so the equivalent of that for BC, uh, so they see a lot of those patients, um it's kind of like and then another of our clinic like sees like everyone <laughs> and yeah, yeah. they're all these are all clinics within a couple clicks of each other so it's not uh yeah i don't even think uh saying bc versus ontario like there's gonna be a community that mirrors our area um in ontario like it's uh it really isn't a province to province thing i think Right, right. Okay, cool. That's also a really good point. Sweet. So if I were to just ask this question, I, I kind of, I feel like I know the answer already, but if you were to pick, like, say you're to start over picking a job, right? Rural or metropolitan and why? Um, so I know we've, we've said this before, I've said this before, but it really has to be a personal, a personal decision. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, ever since I went to u of t for my undergrad i knew i never wanted to be living in a big city so i lived in collingwood for five years and you know that was kind of the perfect kind of size for me and you had the added benefit that collingwood it was a tourist destination so it had all the amenities had the outdoors um so you kind of had free reign of all that stuff through the week and then on the weekends, yeah, Toronto invades, but that's two days of the week. So the situation that I'm in now is that, you know, we have all the amenities of a city pretty much. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's everyone in small areas always complains about things getting busier and busier and busier, but that's just how, how things are now. That's, uh, 
how even small town centers are now. Like people want to get away from the big city and want to live in these smaller areas. Like I wouldn't even really consider us a, a small or rural area. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, we have access to anything we need. Like you can easily live here your whole life and not go to Vancouver or even Victoria. Cool. So I, again, like you're, you're, theme that you're projecting is, you know, it really depends on you. So figure out what you want, right? And then kind of make decisions based off of that. Yeah, that's uh, pretty, uh, (laughs) that's pretty accurate, even as much as I'm sure the listeners will say, oh, man, he didn't like, tell me what to do. (laughs) Like, you're going to be called doctor, like you need to make these decisions. You need to do what's right for you. If you have family in Toronto that you want to be close to, then you need to kind of buckle down and find that job in Toronto or be willing to drive an hour a day to like one of the surrounding areas. Like um, if you're willing to, you know, take a couple of years and go across the country, like that's, that could be life-changing, could be amazing for you. I definitely recommend to anyone who, you know, has this mindset that, you know, I want to just go back to like where I'm from and, and kind of live my life there, like go somewhere for a year Mm. go somewhere for two years uh like that'll be formative and then you'll have like this other wealth of experience to go back home with that's awesome and that's some you've been you've been honestly giving some wisdom pearls here so i really appreciate that we're getting closer to an hour now so i'll wrap it up by asking this one question i ask all the guests um if you were to give advice to just one piece of advice uh to a dental student or a new graduate uh, right now, based on your experience, what would it be? Okay. So my piece of advice, I've already been harping on it, but really that networking aspect of things, uh, really talk to people and find a good position for yourself. You don't have to settle on the first position, but you know, have, have some options there. I like that. That's cool. Network. That's a big topic. We've had that come up in a couple of episodes, so it's obviously really important, but this has been great. So this is the business of drilling, Dr. Todd Kaiway. Um, Todd, do you have any maybe social media or anything that people can reach out to you or follow you on? Yeah. So anyone who uh, wants to talk to me doesn't have to be advice. You know, we're going to be peers. We are peers. <laughs> um, or, you know, has something to say to me. Uh, hopefully not uh, anything too offensive because uh, <laughs> I'm a soft guy. <laughs> um, my Instagram is Todd underscore K K Y. So it's not my actual name. Uh, and the, my Facebook is the same Todd uh, K and we can put those links in the description. Feel free to contact me, especially if you're interested in getting out of Ontario. Uh, we're always looking for people, um, and, you know, even if you just come for a visit and like, see what we have to offer, that would be, uh, amazing to see some Western grads out, out West. You know, we, uh, funny thing is, is we already have a little pool uh, of Western grads out here. Uh, we actually have, um, the, the base doctor. So there's a military base here. He's, uh, mm-hmm. a classmate of mine. And then I have two other classmates, um, in the Comox Valley. So there's actually four of 56 of us in, you know, this, uh, somewhat rural setting, a <laughs> uh, couple hundred kilometers or a couple thousand kilometers away from Western. So there you go. That's, kind of cool. that's sweet. It's like a small little Shula community. So that's awesome. 
dentistry is a small profession in general so i mean like getting close and networked with the people that you know i think is super super important well todd thank you very much i really appreciate your time this has been the business of drilling if you haven't already go check out check out debbieacademy.ca and you can also find us on instagram at debbie.academy and we'll have todd's links in the in the description below todd thank you very much for your time yeah thanks for having me all righty take care bye-bye